0: Welcome to episode 63 of the McSauce comic book podcast. My name is Aggravated Paul McGinty. With me are Dum Dum Sharply. Hello. And Matt. Hi. So, here we are on July We're
1: all thing. equally <clears throat> dum-dums at that point. Yeah. We don't know yeah. how many of these things that we've
0: done. Yeah. We're all dum-dums. 63, June 30th, inside McSauce Studios, because it's fucking hot out. It is. Tonight's episode, we're going to talk about the rumored um, Aquaman casting that's been getting a lot of legs everywhere I go. I, I keep seeing that. And we're going to discuss each of us has picked a character that we feel needs rebooted in the comic books. And we're going to talk about who needs rebooted and how we would go about rebooting them. But before we talk about that, let's keep some house with Ian Sharpley. We've kept this house 63 times now. I've told
1: you 63 times. Actually, I guess it's 62 for me, because I missed that one episode. To go to mixsauce.com, check out the strips, reviews, podcast Wednesday. Go to the Facebook page, like the Facebook page. Go to Stitcher. You can stream the shows on Stitcher. It holds up to about the five of the latest episodes, so you can go there and get caught up. And all the new stuff, go to iTunes, rate us, review us, and give us five shining bright stars. And um, tonight, I'm going to hand over the controls to our typical housekeeping, and have little little image Matt here talk a little bit about something that's near and dear to
2: his heart. Ordinarily, we like to talk about the Oaks Theater, and what... Films they have playing for the Summer Moonlit Matinee Film Series. Um, I feel like we should be
0: playing sad so <laughs> music.
2: Maybe we will. But uh, tonight, we're not going to do that. Or ever again. Because as of this past Saturday, the Oaks has sadly closed its doors. They're focused now more on, I guess, live Shows performances. I I think they're thinking more along the lines of plays because they do have a stage. Sounds like a terrible idea. Um, I think ownership is clearly out of their minds. And, uh, but unfortunately, yeah, this past week was the final uh, time at the Oaks for me, I guess. Unless they decide to change their minds and still be a movie theater. You all support their plays? Probably not. No. And, you know, to be honest with you, I'm not sure I would support them even if they did reopen their doors because of the the low-class way that ownership handled this debacle, which they have yet to actually tell their customers. Um, Being friends with the manager at the Oaks, I found out that he was... Uh, unceremoniously dismissed from his post and now uh... all operations are in the hands of ownership uh... and i believe a new manager that is looking to bring in these live shows um, So, after all the uh... all the work and plugs and support that we've given them that is sadly coming to an end here tonight.
1: We now ask you to boycott the Oaks Theater.
2: They have become public enemy number one of the McSauce comic book podcast. How quickly things turn. They did a full-on pro wrestling heel turn in the last week. Nobody saw it coming, but I can still hear... Uh, Jim Ross screaming, Oh no! Not McSauce! I can't believe it! Oh, the, the humanity! <clears throat> so, that's where we stand now with the Oaks Theater.
1: So if you're planning on going to see Jaws this weekend, like I was, you are going to be very sad.
2: Yeah. it's It's too bad, because it was a great theater with a very long, rich history. Uh, you know, it was not the nicest theater, but it it just had tons of charm and character, and, you know, I liked going there for the, kind of just the atmosphere, and that, that doesn't exist anymore, so now I gotta find something else to do on Friday or Saturday nights this summer, so. There you have it. Thanks for the good times and the good memories, Oaks, but... To you, new owners, fuck you.
1: There you have it. Sorry to hear that, buddy.
2: No, you know what? Actually, they're—they're. They're, I misspoke. They're not the new owners. They're the current owners that—that that, you know are hell bent on letting this um, landmark establishment go right into the toilet. If they had any marketing savvy or any sense whatsoever, that theater could not only survive, but prosper. They would pay us to
1: do these plugs instead of us doing them out of the goodness of our hearts.
2: Well, no more. So, Meg, if you're listening,
0: Uh
2: why don't you hit me up on Twitter? Maybe we can talk about it and what a terrible, terrible owner you are to the Oaks Theater, which deserves much better than your shitty leadership. your face.
1: Strong words from a little depressed, boy. Even more so depressed now that his favorite movie theater is closed. So,
0: speaking of being depressed, um, not really. I don't have a good segue into uh, the rumored Aquaman casting. It's been it's been rumored for a long time. I keep seeing it everywhere now, and no one's no one's disputed it yet. It's been at least a good two weeks. Two weeks, three weeks of um, pretty solid Jason Momoa cast as Aquaman rumors. uh, It's already up on IMDb. It'll be in Batman vs Superman and then Justice League. Um, And I'm kind of on the fence about Jason Momoa. Where on one hand,
1: he seems to be a quality actor from a... Show that you like a whole lot, Game of Thrones. He isn't a blonde white guy.
0: On the other hand, they couldn't have found anyone that looks any less like Aquaman. This is another case of
1: just going for that diversity. This is another case of Warner Brothers doesn't give a shit. Yeah, I don't know if they don't give a shit, but they're clearly looking to.
2: Can I interject here for a second? Sure, I'm, I'm sensing. Absolutely, I am sensing a double standard coming from you, Paul. Listeners of the Mixos Comic Book Podcast, if you listen listen to previous episodes, you know that we've had some healthy debates regarding the new Fantastic Four movie. Which actually, I wanted to bring up one other point that I read about it this week. Uh, remind me, and we'll come back to it. But um, obviously, I had a, a big issue with casting in that, as far as that's concerned. Why do you feel like this casting is any worse or more egregious than the well, Fantastic Four? Well, here's, how, here's how this
0: is different. Because I haven't explained at all why I'm only moderately for this casting. Mm-hmm. And regardless of the casting, I'm not going to boycott the movie. Like, I'm going to go see it. And I think he has, I think he's a big dude. He's a big, imposing guy. I like that for mm-hmm. for Aquaman. I think he can carry the role. If you tell me this guy came from Atlantis, I'd be like... And he's the leader and king of all of these people. Yeah, I'd be like, all right, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the problem I'm having is the same problem I'm having with Grant Gustin as Barry Allen is that he doesn't have blonde hair. And it's not so big a deal for Barry Allen because it's not integral to who the character is. And I know in this movie... They're not gonna go with the story, but the original story of Aquaman is that he's banished from Atlantis as a baby because he has blonde hair.
1: So it goes against the story. So of it's it's
0: not like, percent. oh, we're just gonna change this superficial thing. Like it's a key component of why he didn't grow up is the heir to Atlantis. Because he's half half human and half Atlantean. Right. Is
2: that right? right? But as an adult, he is the king of Atlantis, correct? Yes, he is the natural heir to the throne. So of the he lands. at some point comes back to reclaim the throne.
0: Correct. What if they dye his hair blonde? I was
2: thinking that.
0: Then it will look just as silly as uh, Jessica Alba in Fantastic Four.
2: Could they perhaps give him the long hair that he had in Conan, dye it blonde, give him the beard like the Peter David run from the mid-90s is that a possibility or are you expecting uh, you, the clean cut how uh, about this dreadlocked would,
1: version that I just pulled up
0: would you be accepting of this I would say that there's no way Warner Brothers dyes his hair blonde but I probably would have said that before Fantastic Four too and they went ahead and put a on blonde leg on her. It doesn't look like nature can dye
1: this hair no, blonde. No, no it's what too is, angry. What, what is the young
2: man's name that's playing Johnny Storm in the FF movie? Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. What if they dye Michael B. Jordan's hair blonde a la Wesley Snipes from Demolition Man? <laughs> a la
1: uh, Cisco? Actually, that would be I, terrific.
2: I would kind of like that. <laughs> Am I the only one that would sort of I've, like that? Now that
1: you brought it up, I never thought of it before now. But now, that's the only version I want to see. Is yeah, the that's what Simon Lincoln Theater-esque conversion,
2: <laughs> buying a ticket. I'm all for that. Although, coming back to the FF, the point that I wanted to bring up, or the rumor that I had heard this week, um, <clears throat> I heard that they're going to do that in a found footage style. I heard like that as well. Chronicle. It seems like
1: that's a mistake.
2: Well, I read, I read a the, mistake as <clears throat> far as reporting that, or a mistake no, 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 as
0: a mistake to do that. I think that the report is probably. I read correct. the statement from the Fox head or whoever, and she doesn't say it's going to be a found footage movie. She says it's going to have that type of feel because that's what Josh Trank is successful. Maybe at. elements. Of... I don't think that means it's going to be a found footage movie. Uh, I think it's just going to look kind of, not amateur, amateur, but amateur. Yeah. Not amateur. amateur. Um, but I yeah, think it's going yeah. to be a little rough around the edges.
2: Now, Josh Trank was the, the second uh, Star Wars director that was chosen for these spinoff movies. Are they going to do the second Star Wars spinoff in found footage style?
1: Yes, because that's what he's good at.
2: Yeah, that just seems like instinctually, I want to say there's no validity to this. It's going to be a straight-up regular <clears throat> movie. Uh, I don't know what they're talking about. It's going to be it's going to be a straight-up what? Movie. It's not going to have, like... Regular Yeah, like a regular standard. movie. Not found footage. Maybe you'll have a little bit of handheld stuff going on, but that's it.
0: Yeah, I I, I can't imagine. Anything then, else? They roll the dice. I mean, they're already rolling the dice, but... <clears throat> casting a little bit. I can't imagine they're just going to turn the whole franchise upside down and do found footage, footage style. Yeah, it just seems like a,
2: like a terrible, terrible move, and I, I refuse to believe that they're that dumb. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> um, Though I enjoyed Jason Momoa in Game of Thrones, he didn't really have a whole lot to do. Like, I don't think his acting prowess was really on display. Because he kind of did it? a lot of grunting and...
1: Did he and ever grunting. do anything besides marry Lisa Bonet, which I just
0: found out right now? No. I, I, I haven't, so that's I haven't seen him in anything other than Game of Thrones. He was good in Game of Thrones, but like, I expect the King of Atlantis to be <clears throat> eloquent.
2: Well, he's, he was... A, yeah, he was yeah. in Conan, yeah. and he was pretty damn good. He was a thousand times better than Schwarzenegger and as Conan.
1: That's a bold statement.
2: I've, meaning,
1: I've seen neither one of these movies. You've no, have you ever seen
2: no the original Conan and the Barbarian? No. Nope. Um, yeah, Jason Momoa has the right look. Maybe slightly more ethnic, but no less so than, you know, a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Austrian, uh, Who really knows what a Samarian looks like. Well anybody that's read the books. The Sumerian has very dark hair, straight hair, although Momoa had kind of waved to it. But he conditions. He conditions. He uses Pert Plus. If that's even still around, I don't know. Well it was around in it the It was Sumerian. around uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just cut
1: the top off with <laughs> yeah. a sword and just dump it but on
2: But He was a very good Conan, I thought. He had a lot of charisma, which I really liked about him. Um You know, he was not as huge as Schwarzenegger, which is kind of what Conan is. Conan is a like a, I mean, he's a big guy, but at the same time, he's still a fighter. He's not just this big lumbering bodybuilder type. And I felt like Momoa just fit him perfectly. I I don't, I don't want
0: that for my King of the Seven Seas.
1: I'd say that the the Atlanteans will probably be more warlike than they are in the comic books if they go with this style of Aquaman,
0: you know? Like, they're warlike. More primal. <clears throat> yeah, I don't I don't want them to be primal because yeah. they're not primal in the comics. And they're not they're not warlike like the Dothraki or like whoever Conan's leading in Conan. They're just a race of people who need to protect their shit. they they have advanced technology, you know, they have you know cities. The Regal. Like, I don't want a bunch of Neanderthals coming up out of the water, taking over, trying to take over.
2: Well, I don't think that's what you're going to get, just because that's kind of the roles that he's had before. Uh, And that was the Dothraki, which always reminds me of the bad guys in the Wing Commander game series, the Killraffy, the tiger creatures. You're going deep, son. This Deep Cut, brought to you by Matt Cassell. You remember Wing Commander 3 starring Mark Hamill? No. I know of the game. I don't
1: know the Kilrathi Yeah. I know of Wing Commander. <clears throat> I've heard of that.
2: So, the characters in Conan, while it is called Conan the Barbarian, they're a much more intelligent race, the Sumerians, even if they are a warlike people. They're more thoughtful. Jason Momoa is known for doing some things
0: right, being big, brooding Neanderthal character. Mm-hmm. So I'm all for them expanding his, you know, his body of work and giving him a little more, little more class to work with. But I'm I'm just afraid they're going to go with like big,
2: broody. I kind of like it, and when I compare him to who we already have, we have. Ben Affleck and we have um, Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. All big guys. And I'm starting to feel like this was like Alex Ross was in charge of (laughs) casting this movie, you know? Because, like, whenever you see his guys. Nobody has a real
1: ear (laughs) belly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Not really, because
0: if Alex Ross was casting this, John Goodman would be Superman.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know what I mean, though. Like, a bunch of, like, big, big guys that, you know, they look kind of larger than life instead of, you know, like when you look at the Avengers movie, you have Robert Downey Jr., all five foot nine of them. And, you know, you got to rely like on camera tricks and certain angles to try to make these guys appear a little bit bigger than they really are. But with this, you're going to get really big guys. and They're just going to feel like superheroes. heroes.
0: Yeah, what, uh, and that's one of the things I, I do like about it, is that he's so big, and he's going to be able to stand next to those three, or those two guys, with, with, without a doubt. And he looks big, he looks threatening. Aquaman, they've revamped Aquaman in the current comics. Like, I don't, he shouldn't be the joke that he always is, and he will always be the joke to non-comic book fans. Even though the this new 52 run by Jeff Johns and the subsequent issues followed up by Jeff Parker. Have redefined Aquaman and made him the character that I've, I've always wanted him to be. Your general audience is always gonna—he's always gonna be the talk to fish guy. But casting Jason Momoa as Aquaman and having him fuck up some shit for everybody could really bring that character. And around.
1: maybe that's part of their thought process—is that this character, in the minds of the movie-going audience, is so entrenched in some silliness that we have to take somebody as badass and, and known for being somebody that tears some shit up and put them in that role. So that's the last thing in your mind, is that he's going to ride in on a dolphin and talk to fish.
2: I see him more on, like, a giant seahorse.
1: Seahorse, maybe. <coughs> Octopi. Like
2: riding too, <laughs> <maybe>. Like, skateboarding <laughs> on them, perhaps. So... Is the consensus we're kind of all for this?
0: I'm in. Yeah, I'm
2: pretty I'm in. much for it.
0: I'm in. It's better than the the guy they had the Smallville, who is Leonardo and
2: the Michael Bay Ninja Turtles. Oh, okay. Have we gotten any kind of information as regarding Jason Biggs' departure from the Turtles cartoon show?
0: No, I haven't had a chance to look it up. And the new guy isn't isn't bad. You no, know, he doesn't sound all that different from Jason Biggs but it's it's kind of a bummer because they've gone almost two full seasons with that cast Mm -hmm. Jason Biggs was great yeah like if you would have told me at some point I would love Jason Biggs as Leonardo (laughs) I'd say you're fucking crazy (laughs) the pie fucker but he exactly but he puts just enough of a um, just enough of a pitch on his voice that really brought that character home for I think 48 issues or Seth, episodes. Seth no. Green from Family
1: Guy and Robot Chicken and all that is the replacement.
0: Oh, that's right.
2: Seth Green. Not
0: for the couple episodes
1: I just watched. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's what it's just saying. Currently in its second season, third due to air late this year. Seth Green. I mean, it
2: doesn't say any interim person. The one that I would have thought would get recast would have been Sean Aston. I figure he would have eventually kind of gone on to do something else. Kind of got bored with it. but Because he's probably the biggest name out of the four, I would yeah. think. Mm-hmm.
1: And I guess Jason Biggs, I mean, they say that he's, he's pursuing other projects and we wish him the best. I mean, he is in Orange's the New Black. He got a little bit more of a starring role in the second season. So, I mean, maybe that
0: has something. Yeah, maybe. Scheduling conflicts. Dominic... Cat Trambone has been Leonardo uh, for the last four episodes. So maybe for guy? season three, okay. Seth Green will pick it up. Okay,
2: I'm having a hard time that's picturing really Seth Green doing a Leonardo voice. Well,
0: that's what I would have thought about Jason Biggs, too. So maybe maybe we'll wait and see what he sounds like. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I'm kind of picturing uh, the son from Family Guy.
2: Yeah. Is Leonardo. Yeah, it's
0: <laughs> it's it's really a strange move
1: to do it in the middle of the season, though. it's very odd departure. So yeah, I
0: mean I guess we'll see how that goes. Can I can season. I just say how much I absolutely love Clancy Brown and all of his voiceover work. Everything I've I've heard his beautiful voice in. He was Lex Luthor on the animated series. He's uh, Chris Bradford, Dog Pound, and razor and Ninja Turtles. And his voice is amazing. Yeah. And much like Kevin Conroy's Batman, every time I read Lex Luthor in a comic, I hear Clancy Brown. That's all I want to hear. Clancy so Brown. hmm Do you have anything else to add about Aquaman or the Ninja Turtles?
2: Not really. Uh... I am curious, though, who else is going to be crammed into this Batman versus Superman movie. Um, you know, when when we first found out that Batman was going to be in the next Superman movie, we figured anything from a co-headlining role to a cameo. And I think that now it, it seems pretty clear that it's going to be kind of a co-headlining kind of thing with more cameo-type Appearances from Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and who else? I don't know. Green Lantern. Did they probably. say? They said Cyborg. Cyborg is in Batman v Superman. Didn't they cast
0: somebody as
2: Cyborg? <coughs> yeah, they I
0: thought. did. I expect that to be a really tiny cameo. Yeah, Jason Momoa is six four.
2: Ben Affleck, That's a big dude, also 6'4". Henry Cavill, six one. Superman's gonna little the guy. little guy. <laughs> They're going to have to get him some platform boots. <laughs>
1: is there any way that this movie lives up to the hype? I mean, the hype is just totally
2: insane.
0: I don't awful. think there's hype for this yet. I think there's a cautious excitement.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah I would agree. Like there's I think there was hype around X-Men. There was hype around Avengers. I don't think there's there's hype around Star Wars.
1: I don't think there's don't so think there's much hype around this. Why? Explain that. Why don't you think there's hype around Batman versus Superman D. Because
0: I well, the I think the comic fans know what Warner Brothers and DC are capable of on the big screen, which yeah. is a dice roll of what you're going to get. Yeah. I think if this was a Marvel property, there would be a, a lot of a lot of hype. There's a lot of news. There's a lot of speculation and a lot of talk about it. But I don't think that necessarily means hype. News, speculation, and talk don't Right, hype. but no, because, I mean, we talk and speculate about a lot of things, but that doesn't mean we're psyched up for them. Yeah. Huh. We're not psyched up for this. I'm not psyched up for this. I'm cautiously optimistic about it. Okay. Are, Matt, are you psyched up for this? More than you are. Yeah. But if I'm like a... Let's say my excitement is a 6. Would you give yourself a 7? Because I don't think any of us are 10s for this. No, movie. I mean, and I think I've... I'm a 6 as well. But I think that's still,
1: it's a while away. They're still casting people. News is still filtering out. I think that the excitement will build as it generally does.
2: Um, yeah, we need to see more and until just recently when they announced the title and then kind of the and again this is still rumored outside of the title of this movie but the the DC slate over the next 4 years once that kind of was put out there and and the the picture started to become clearer we started to get a better idea of maybe what this movie is going to be you know with the you know the rumored Confirmation that there's going to be a Superman two or a Man of Steel two, we could kind of take this as some kind of like pre Justice League movie. I, I don't even know what this is going to be. I still don't, but I'm clearer on what it's going to be than I was when we were like, "What is this? Like, is this Man of Steel two? That this is going to be so strange? Why are they putting Wonder Woman in it?" Yeah. Now it kind of makes sense in that it's this almost like prepper for. DC to just explode in different directions. This is like the Big Bang for the DC Cinematic U. And now that that's coming into focus, I'm getting more excited about it. You know, my hype is building for it. So, um, you know, we've seen Batman. He looks cool. <clears throat> Superman, we already know. He looks great. Now we got to see what Wonder Woman and... and Aquaman are going to look like. Who else are they going to announce? I would put money on it that Flash and Green Lantern are going to be in here at some point as well.
1: You think so? You, th- you don't think that they'd hold them back for the Justice League proper movie in a couple of years? I think that they would hold those back. There's so many people in this movie already. I know Warner Brothers screw some shit up, but I don't think that they would just cram everything into this one movie.
2: They might. You wouldn't mean, think so. They might. I wouldn't think so. I could be wrong as strictly a cameo, just to kind of let you know that they're out there. Yeah, maybe it just seems like so much,
1: but, or, or but maybe like said, at least could a be mention. Wrong. I don't
2: know. Who I I don't know. It's still very, very murky at this point, even if it is becoming slightly clearer as we go. I agree.
0: Vincent Dina Unaforia's birthday today. <laughs> According to IMDB Well, happy birthday to, to the upcoming Kingpin Vincent D'Uniforio How old is he? He is 55 years old today Too old to play the Kingpin Fuck this Really? No, I'm just kidding So why don't we move on into <clears throat> The characters and or franchises We want to see rebooted Because we hate the current state of them Hate is such a strong word um, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's too much of a strong word. We're very passionate fans of comic books. When our companies fuck shit up, we're allowed to hate it. Uh, between Marvel Now, over the last year or so, New 52, complete DC reboot in 2011, they had a chance to clean up a lot of stuff that maybe wasn't going the way we liked some things got put on the right track. Aquaman, for instance. Other things went right in the toilet. Superman. Um, do you have any Marvel examples of what they got right?
2: With Marvel now?
0: Yeah. What's a really good character in, at Marvel right now? Hawkeye. Hawkeye that we haven't seen for about four months. True. True. But up until four months ago, it was a great book. That's a that's a
1: shipping issue. We'll, <laughs> we'll push that off on that. But that's a character that had a pretty low profile. I don't think there was ever really a definitive run of Hawkeye where you can point to it and say, this is who this character should be, or this is the best work that I, I can recommend to a new fan who's never read Hawkeye. Now we have something. We have that run. Um, that we can point to in the uh, new Hawkeye books. So that's one That's one example of somebody that's come you know, through
0: Marvel now. Is there an example
2: of a bad character that well, they no, dropped the ball with? Another good reboot was the Ghost Rider reboot. That's another, I think, strong cool. example of... You're still getting that? Shouldn't that be like four issues deep now? Yeah. Is yeah. still good? Uh-huh.
1: <clears throat> yep. And that was even more of a drastic update than just taking the existing character and kind of putting a new coat of paint on it. It was changing a lot about the character of Ghost Rider and who it was, and the complete look was redesigned, as well as his mode of transportation. So there was a lot different going on with Ghost Rider, and they got most of it right, I think.
2: I was so nervous going in. The only thing that really made me feel confident was the artist. But everything has surprisingly come together incredibly well. Uh another another one um oh man I, I just lost it. Talk amongst yourselves maybe it'll come.
1: An back. example of the bad is uh the update on Moon Knight. Mm. It took a character that in almost every incarnation of Moon Knight I pretty much liked it. It's Batman with multiple personalities. You can get that right most of the time. They changed it into sort of like a slick-talking, working with the police, suit-wearing vigilante, which was a big departure from the way that he's always been. And you can do those kind of things, that just doesn't—it didn't sit well with me. With Moon Knight? Yeah, I don't think it sat right with me either. It looked really goofy. And another thing that happened as a result of the uh, X-Men avengers crossover from a couple years ago and led into the marvel now stuff is uh the way that they treated cyclops and the x-men and while i don't mind them breaking the x-men into teams that's something that they've done for years and years just the way that they handled the leader of the x-men kind of an unceremonious way to make him a villain and i never really got behind that choice
2: Another pretty good example of a, a quality reboot might be the the Nova book. Not that there was anything wrong with the Richard Rider, Abnett Lanning, Nova. From what I understand, it was very, very good. But it also seems like this new character, uh, Sam Alexander, Alexander uh, his adventures have been pretty good, too. With really good art, it's well written with Jeff Loeb and now the current writer, Jerry, Jerry Dugan, who kind of carried, you know, picked up the baton and ran with it mm-hmm. just as well. Um, so, certainly it can happen, or it can fall flat, like half of the New 52 proved to us. What mm-hmm. a noble Nova's, Nova's that was. Noble was a book
0: that started out with, I would say, an all-star creative team with Jeff Loeb and Ed Ginnis, like, yes. and um, those two left, and Jerry Dugan and Paco Medina picked it up, but uh, now... I forget the artist's name, but him and Paco Medina seem to be going back and forth on it. But it hasn't lost the stuff. The tone is the same. Both of their art styles are similar enough to beginners that it feels like the same
1: book. That's great. And there are a few different ways that a reboot can be handled. You can have a soft reboot where you just change a few things, or a hard reboot, like we talked about with Ghost Rider, where you completely revamp the character from the ground up. DC has proven that there are a lot of sort of soft reboots that they did with the new 52. The Green Lantern books pretty much stayed the same and for a long time in the New 52 held on to the quality that they had previously enjoyed. The Batman books also kind of held on to a lot, so those were some soft reboots. While there are things that happened in the grand scheme of all of the heroes in DC, there wasn't a big change. Bruce Wayne is still Batman with you know Commissioner Gordon and all of his cast of... Supporting characters still in place, not all that big of a departure. But DC also, they did a few other big, drastic changes in the new 52. Um, do you think overall, Paul, as a resident DC fan, that
0: the reboot of the new 52 is successful or unsuccessful? In the way of sales, it was immensely successful. In the way of how they're treating their characters, I got to lean on the negative side. I think it's close. There are some really good. There's some really good examples of you know, characters gone right, like Flash, like Aquaman. Uh, the Wonder Woman book was really good for a long time. I think Azrael just kind of ran out of steam. Um, but he had a lot of good things to put as a foundation. Yeah, Swamp Thing, Jeff Lemire's Justice League Dark, some really good stuff. But then there were Constantine. Uh, That's bad. That's, that is bad. it bad? Well, Constantine in Justice League Dark was it was good. The way they well, used the same character. The way I thought you were talking about the, yeah, the way they used dark the to roll, con, to roll John Constantine into the DCU was fantastic. But then you get stuff like Teen Titans, which was garbage. Superman, they have no idea what to do with 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 Superman. Tim Drake, uh, yeah, Tim Drake, uh, stuff like um, Secret, uh, not Secret Six, uh, Suicide Squad, uh, the all the the current take on Harley Quinn. It's like a lot of shoehorning Harley Quinn
1: into a lot of different books and scenarios where I think she's much better
0: as a supporting character. Correct. Uh, The the way they handled Martian Manhunter was really bad. I feel like uh, Jeff Lemire on Justice League United is kind of trying to right some of the wrongs now. I think at this point, three years after the new 52, you see Jeff Johns take over Superman. Um, the way Jeff Jeff Lemire is handling Martian Manhunter, there are some course corrections happening. Teen Titans got canceled. That's going to debut a year one volume by Jeff Lemire later this year, and there's also going to be a new Teen Titans ongoing. So I think they're going to try to put some things back together. But they tried to put Superman back together like three times now since 2011, and nothing's taken. And I think it all starts with that goddamn garbage suit that he wears.
1: Now, um, is Superman one of your characters that you would fix? Because I know that you have long
0: thought about trying to repair Superman's tarnished image. Yeah, Superman is a character that I would absolutely fix. Um, I read Jeff Johns Mm -hmm. and John Romita Jr.'s Superman number 32, and I wasn't impressed. Granted, first arc, a lot of setup, introducing things, you know... They've got a whole arc to pull me in, <clears throat> turn the ship around. But I feel we've seen this story before, and neither of you have read it yet. Matt, I think you said you read about half of it. Um, but I feel like everyone who's gotten on Superman, including Scott Snyder's underwhelming Superman Unchained, has done this type of story where you know okay. Superman has to fight some analog of himself either be it a different alien that's been on Earth forever or some alternate universe Superman Super, like I said before we started reporting Superman has a, a full well of characters to pick and choose from you don't need to create new ones like stop creating new fucking characters maybe that's just the because, problem They're just, throwing them just in because you're a well. on the book Doesn't mean
2: you need to create a new fucking character for your run. That's exactly what Straczynski did as soon as he came on Spider-Man. He created, but it was kind of and Moreland. It was a little successful though. Like he did it. He he also
1: put fan favorites like Doctor Octopus was in a, a couple of issues there. Not initially though. When that it was in the second or
2: third trade. I mean, like yeah, that wouldn't be initially then.
1: Um, If you take the first six months, with which is usually you know, the bulk of an arc, More you're not going to sandwich a bunch of different characters into that. If you're going to tell a good story about one new character that I think was a quality addition to Spider-Man's
2: cast of vi- villains... I agree. Uh, I'm not discounting that. I'm just saying that you can create new characters as, as a way to start a new
0: book. I agree. Book. Jeff Johns created a whole new universe... Of characters, they're going to be around forever now. St. Walker, Atrocitus, um, you know the Indigo Tribe, Blarflees. He created a whole universe on that Green Lantern book, but they've all felt like natural, natural additions. I never once, and that was later in the run. Like we have a good three to four trades of Green Lantern stories before he starts the whole War of Light business. Mm-hmm. He builds on Sinestro's mythology. You know, he develops a bunch of yellow lanterns with him. But it all felt really natural, really organic. There's nothing that feels natural about Harper Rowe in the Batman book. Nothing. It's like, nothing feels natural about that. Why do you need this new character who does tech stuff when you have Tim, Dick, and Barbara all at your disposal? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And this new this new character in in the Superman book, like I'm I'm sure there's another story you can tell without introducing another Superman analog. How many of them do we fucking need? Because the more you get, the less special Superman gets. So yeah, I would absolutely change Superman. What would you change about him? Is that your pick then? That's not my pick because oh, okay. I feel like I feel like I bitch about. I've bitched about the state of Superman for sixty-three issues.
1: Um, yeah, but have you ever? I mean, this would be the episode to do it. I mean, we can get into it a little bit if you if you want. If you have an idea, I'm sure that people at DC that are listening right now would be
0: all ears. I um, I, I think that though Superman doesn't have the rogues gallery of Spider-Man or Batman. He doesn't have, like, he has a handful of recognizable bad guys. And then he has guys like Toy Man and the Prankster. Some really, but really weird, weird dudes. Um, I think they're a good enough rogues gallery to build on, especially now in the new 52, where not a lot of that's been touched yet because everyone feels like Superman's been a whole new story. Part of the reason I'm for part of the problem I'm having with the current Spider-Man book is that it's Peter Parker and a shit ton of strangers. I'm three issues in and I hate it. I don't recognize anyone in that book except Peter Parker. And Peter Parker in that book, he's, he doesn't act like he doesn't feel like Peter Parker. Because well, he's a stranger to
1: himself. He's just got plopped back into this new body with all this new stuff going on around him. But what are the things about Superman that? You feel make him work as a character that they're missing right now.
0: They're missing the fact that he's the last son of Krypton. He he should he should be the most powerful guy out there. He needs to wear a spandex suit, underwear optional. He doesn't need fucking armor plated nanotech. He's Superman. He can take a bullet off of his fucking eyeball. He doesn't need he doesn't need that. I would have thought you were gonna say dick, but. He doesn't. Oh uh, well, he can take a bullet off of there too. He doesn't need. He doesn't need that big fancy <laughs> suit. You know what? Go the extra step. Have him change in the fucking elevator shaft. Have him change in the stairwell. He moves at fucking light speed. No one's gonna see him do it. It's okay if he wears a suit underneath his fucking daily planet. Give me a break with the nanotech, because part of you want to relate to Superman. You want to feel, like, feel like he's Peter Parker. He needs to be the guy you get. You understand where this guy's coming from. He's immediately, that's immediately working against you because he has all these superpowers. Oh, Batman's the best because Batman's a regular guy. Yeah, but you're not a millionaire, and you're not in peak physical condition. So why the fuck do you relate to Batman? Because every so often, they still have Batman do human things. Batman still goes home, exhausted. He still wakes up the next morning, beat the shit. Alfred has to make him breakfast. He's he still does human things. What they keep introducing in the Superman books is Superman never has to eat. He gets all his nutrition from the sun. Well, that that's, that's unrelatable. Wow. Like, yeah, well Superman can't have a beer. Superman's the good guy. Let him ha- show him having a fucking beer. It's okay. You know, just He's hanging out with his dad for crying Have out loud. Have them do normal things to start, and there's some of that in this in this issue thirty-two. Some of it. Um, Dayton, Dayton, Wonder Woman, fine, but like they they shouldn't. I don't think they should get along. Because Superman, yeah, he can do all these great things, but he's humble. He's a down-home farm guy. Wonder Woman is a warrior who grew up. Learning how to be a warrior. She's a princess. They shouldn't be too. able to relate to each other. Like her and Batman should be able to get along better because they have that driving mindset where they're just focused on one goal. That's just a couple things. There's a good thing. Now that I'm getting this out of my system, like I think I have more problems with the state of Superman now than I thought than I thought I did.
2: I agree with basically everything you just said. Which is rare, so it is rare. But why don't we let one of you two gentlemen talk for a little bit, Matt?
0: You've been awful quiet over there. <laughs> uh,
2: well, th- this isn't the the superhero that I prepared, but when we announced this topic, my my initial instant reaction was the the guy that needs the most fixing is Spider Man. Spider Man has literally been broken for eight years or something like that? How long? Maybe it's not been that long, but... Ever since Brand New Day started, yeah. whenever they
1: magically erased his marriage for no real reason other they than Joe Q doesn't out. like him being married. I don't ever remember hearing any fan have a problem with Peter Parker being unrelatable because he's married. Maybe married to a supermodel.
0: Okay, I get that. 2000, 2007. The free comic book day Spider-Man.
2: That feels like it was way longer than that. But 2007 or 2014. That's seven years that we've been we've been enduring substandard Spider-Man. Who you know, Spider-Man should be one of the top three selling comic books. Maybe it is. I'm not even sure, but. He's one of the top 3 superheroes out there. So you should treat him with just as much respect as, you know, a Batman or a Superman. Superman's not getting much love either, but Spider-Man <clears throat> has has truly been almost unreadable, I would say, for the most part for the last 7 years. Peter's Spider-Man
0: number 27 was the fourth highest selling book February 2014. I guess they are doing something right.
1: Every time I go to the comic book shop, I hear people talk about how they enjoyed the run of Superior Spider-Man and how it was a great book. And I've read some of them, and they're enjoyable if it wasn't at the detriment of my favorite hero. Right. If they didn't murder my favorite hero and make him a villain. If it wasn't that, I wouldn't care. If this was Mark Millar writing wanted or whatever that would be fine. It would be it would be okay. But this is my guy. This is the hero that is on lunchboxes and kids relate to. He's the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, and they've taken that away for you know more more years than I can remember. Now I can't remember the
2: last Spider-Man book that I was seriously excited about and met my expectations. Right. I can't tell you. Uh, I- point to a specific arc or a trade paperback in the last seven years that I could recommend to a friend and say, if you want to read some good Spider-Man, you've got to read this. The only Spider-Man I can recommend to people are shit that happened before Brand New Day.
1: I can think of one. Now that I think of it, there's one, <coughs> and it's a cross-dimensional mashup Spider-Man with Peter Parker and, and the ultimate Spider-Man Miles Morales. I mean, that's the only one. And that's not really in con- in continuity. It's not really... It doesn't count,
2: really. Right. But how how they could do something so drastic to an established character, such a a tried-and-true character, that you don't ordinarily rock the, the cart like this, uh, especially based on the whim, based on just the personal preference of one rogue editor, you just don't do that. That's such a slap in the face to not only the fans but all the creators that came before you. You know, uh, I know that other creators that have worked on the book through through various Twitter uh, posts or Facebook posts are not really in favor of the things that they've been doing with Spider-Man. They feel insulted uh based on what they had created previously and, and where things stand now. Uh it's it's just a debacle and, and sadly I don't see it changing. <clears throat> I don't see them ever undoing brand new day because now at this point, like this is this is what what Spider Man is. I bought I started
0: getting Amazing Spider Man. It's three issues in now. I bought it at number one. I thought this is gonna be a great Jumping on point. This is where they're going to start to reset all of the stuff. And maybe that's what we're in the middle of, the resetting. Like, maybe I should pick it up at issue 7. But so far, these first three issues, like, I don't I don't understand anything that's that's going on. It feels like... It doesn't feel like a Spider-Man book
2: to me. I have yet you. to read any of the three, and I, I really... Maybe... Well, I'm sure this week I will, but... Um... Ian, have you read them yet? I read
1: issue number one. I was really underwhelmed uh, and kind of sad because there was hope that we'd get back to a semblance of the Spider-Man universe that yeah. I know and love. And I, like you guys have been saying, I don't think it's coming.
2: Dan Slott just doesn't feel like the right guy to, to, to kind of steer this ship. I don't—anything I anything I've ever read from Dan Slott has been either bad or—okay— but that's about the best I can say about his his writing, his storytelling. People point to Spider-Island as this
1: huge, great epic. I read it. It was dog shit. I'm sorry. It just wasn't, it wasn't very good. good.
2: So, if you could put a, a writer on Spider-Man, who would you put on there? I would put Zeb Wells on Spider-Man.
1: Um, he wrote the... Uh, uh, Avenging Spider-Man. Avenging Spider-Man. It was mashup with... It took each month. You had Spider-Man, put him with another uh, Avengers character, and I I felt like he had a really great handle on who Peter Parker was because you were always playing off Peter Parker's personality against all these other Avengers and and what kind of interaction they had. And even though it was in the middle of the brand-new-day stuff and all this weird Spider-Man things were happening in that universe that... Didn't really feel like Spider-Man to me. He still felt like Spider-Man. The
2: character Man. felt right. It felt true, and the I think he would be a, great.
1: He's the perfect guy to put on there. So if I had somebody that I would want on Spider-Man, Zeb Wells.
2: I wish they could bring the storylines, you know, down several notches and, and let the book feel like a much more character-driven affair, because. That's one thing Spider-Man has in spades. They have tons of great characters, strong characters. That I've always said that there's a few books that can just write themselves. All you gotta do is know the characters, and Spider-Man's easily one of them. And much like Superman's supporting cast, that they're
0: absolutely not using. You never see Lois Lane anymore. Like Lois and Clark have barely have a passing relationship. Right now, they're more acquaintances than, than anything else. Jimmy Olsen is he comes from this family with a ton of money and he eschews their money and goes to work for the bugle and but the bugle, you don't see or the, daily. the planet. The planet you don't see you see a little more Jimmy, but you never see Lois, um Perry's in passing. Um you don't see the villains and Just, Spider-Man has Spider-Man has with Mary Jane. Harry and even Aunt May, who I think they should kill, but she's still a viable character. She's unkillable. You have those characters, and jo- you know Jonah. Uh, what's his name? Robertson, the other reporter. Robbie Robertson. Uh, you have this big group of characters in Spider-Man, and I open that book, and they don't use any of them. It's like Mary they're... Jane's on one panel; she has no dialogue. Uh, Jameson's in it a little bit this last issue. Spider-Man's dating that midget girl or something like that. And Rita or something. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't... You have a tried and true cast for both of those characters that have lasted for almost a century. And you know what? We're just not gonna use them. We're gonna, we're gonna fill these books with the main character and all these other filling guys that you don't give a fuck about. Which is why I'm gonna probably gonna drop Batman after Zero Year because it's gonna be well they have fucking Dick Grayson as a blonde super spy now. That's wh- <laughs>
2: that's, that's where terrible. that's where Dick Grayson. Now going. who who wrote that was that that's terrible was that um Kyle Higgins was that his writing or it's was coming out of Scott Snyder? I don't know who's
0: I don't know who's writing it it's coming out of Forever Evil because they in Forever Evil they reveal who nightwing is and it's dick grayson well, so guys- now everyone knows who that is so i assume this is his kind of you know going into um, going into hiding what do they call that when the fbi on the witness lab. protection he's, yeah it's kind of like weird witness protection i assume he's going to be working for um, for whatever
2: uh, Suicide Squad, whoever runs as a roller. Did artists. you guys read um, Nightwing when the new Fifty Two launched? Mm-hmm. I didn't. It was really good. Kyle Higgins was writing it. I forget who did the art work, but it was about basically um, Dick Grayson inherited the the Haley Circus, the circus that he used to be affiliated with when you know he was a uh, acrobat for it when his parents were murdered. And um, as he became the owner, you started to realize there were some dark secrets to the, to the circus, this traveling uh, carnival. And it was really good. It kind of, after that initial story, I feel like Kyle Higgins didn't really know what he wanted to do. He had a great initial idea, which I feel a lot of writers are guilty of. I know you guys are big Straczynski fans, but I felt like that was one of Straczynski's faults as a writer on Spider-Man, was he had this great initial launch story and then didn't quite know what to do after that. I would apply the same thing to that initial uh, storyline in in Nightwing, but if you guys want to read good Nightwing, that first story is really good.
0: Grayson will be written by the writing team of Tim Seeley and Tom King. I don't know anything about either one of those. I don't either. Here's what here's what burns me. It's going to be drawn by Michael Janin.
1: Oh, really? So yeah. now you're going to have to. And get it, it looks.
0: There's a preview in all of DC's books this month, and it looks amazing because that's all Michael Janin does is draw amazing.
2: That blonde hair is art. so just dreamy, amazing.
0: So I was looking at it and I read the preview. It's not it's not bad, and Michael Jannon does the art. And I'm at the point where I was like, do I get this just for Michael Jan's work? You gotta try the first one and tell us and how I, it is. I can't do it because, on principle, this is this is not who Dick Grayson should be. Like, I feel like this yeah. is when they were like, you know what, Steve Rogers isn't gonna be Captain America. He's gonna hate the United States and go be Nomad for a while.
2: I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Wasn't that Bucky?
1: No, I think he's talking Her about... the US he, agent? Yeah, you're t- he's talking about, like, the... Late 80s, early 90s, whenever Steve Rogers did leave, being Captain America, the guy who was U.S. agent took over. I don't even know who U.S. agent it was. a black guy, wasn't it? No, it was another white guy. Took over. Steve Rogers became Nomad. Only happened for a little while. Might have even been in the 70s, if I'm remembering it correctly. But okay. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about gotcha. Steve Rogers yeah. getting killed and Bucky taking. Coming
0: away. out of Zero Year, uh, you know, Batman's going to have a lot of changes. Uh, I guess Catwoman is going to be the big boss ruler of Gotham City. Uh, it's going to be Harper, Harper Rowe and Cullen Rowe, her brother. They're going to be kind of Batman's tech team. Ugh. I guess he's going to be in the Batcave, and Harper Rowe will
2: be Bluebird out in the field with him. And. And I'm like, when is somebody going to wake up and realize Batman is so much better as a solitary and this character? Is,
0: and this is what I'm talking about when I say we don't need to make new characters. I appreciate Anna Maria Cortez in that, in that Spider-Man book. Your first rep- representation I've seen of midgets in comics. Yeah. It's cool. I dig
2: it. What about Puck?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, is he, Puck a midget? pretty sure. Or is he just like Really look short. <laughs>
2: <Is> <laughs> That's not what a
0: midget is. But does he qualify for midgetitude? I, I, sh-
2: Whoa, I how, so. what is what is the official height to to be a midget? midget. I don't know. Yeah, do smart. the Google. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I feel like there's a, a. I feel like now, more so than in the early 2000s, that less than four feet ten inches. Less than four feet ten. Ouch. I feel like creators now are just making new characters because they want to put their stamp on it. They fit a profile, or they fit a certain
1: race, gender, or handicap.
0: And it's... You know, you can almost... You can get away with it a little bit more in a Green Lantern. There's 7,200 Green Lanterns in the universe. Yeah, it's probably more natural if you're not seeing the same five all the time. But still... That same five has been established over the years. They have definitive characteristics. You know who these people are. They're interesting. You want to see them. You know, I don't want to see the new guy from the Fire Planet. I want to see Kilowog. Put fucking Kilowog out there. I guess in defense of
1: people creating new characters and putting different attributes on these new characters, it is... it's, It's kind of the... Things are swinging... All the way in the other direction, whereas years and years ago, it was blonde-haired white dudes every single time. That's what you put in the machine. That's the comical character that came out. And at some point, the, the balance has gotten off kilter, where now everybody's got to be this unique kind of thing that maybe you wouldn't really see in, in regular life. Would Peter Parker, somebody that's been married to a supermodel... I mean, maybe that's just... Who should never have been married married to a a supermodel. Maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe intellectually he matches up with her better. So maybe that does make sense. Maybe I'm just being shallow. I think I'm just being shallow. I'm kind of with you on it, so... So... I'll let you take the hit, though.
0: Because, like, Peter's not... Peter's kind of socially awkward. Right? Not according to Andrew Garfield, he's well, not. Well, according to Andrew Garfield, he's fucking Danny Witsisface from uh, Greece. He's the coolest guy in school.
2: Um,
0: yeah, he uh, sure is. good with the Fawns. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> hey, hey!
2: Hey!
0: Andrew Garfield's the Fonz. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, like, the real <laughs> comic book Peter Parker, like, I don't think he should really have such outgo- out, outgoing social skills to land... Mary Jane supermodel Watson.
2: He knew her whenever she was a kid.
0: When she Maybe was dweebs. She,
2: she likes dweebs.
0: She One of those you know, nerd in, fetish. In her defense, there are a ton of smoking hot chicks with ugly husbands. Straight up uggos. And Peter Parker's not even a bad looking guy. He's a handsome guy. Mm-hmm. Probably a little too handsome for his own good. true. Yeah.
1: So why don't we get into this reboot thing
0: that we were talking Ian, about? Ian, why, why don't you tell us? I, I, think don't, Matt, I think Matt and I keyed
2: in on our two biggest problems with comic yeah, books. Yeah, they right? weren't they weren't our picks for tonight, <laughs> right. but, but they need to be mentioned. Yeah.
1: Well, my... I didn't pick one character. I picked sort of like a genre. Something that I feel is kind of swept under the rug at Marvel. And it's the magic characters in Marvel Stable. Mm. Doctor Strange, Night Nurse, Magic Scarlet Where are, Witch, all of these.
0: When does Doctor Strange appear in the current Marvel universe? I believe he... he is he in a, is he regularly in a
1: book? He doesn't have his own book. I think right? he pops up in Avengers here and there. Uh, that's what he was... Their transport for a long time. He would take them from place to place. He's always been a character that would appear in Spider-Man books. And I think, especially with... A feature film coming out a lot of you know fan talk about how much they like this character and would like to see more of him doctor strange and the whole cast of magical characters like i said scarlet witch i think could be a character that they could break away from the avengers and kind of sort of have her more featured such a powerful character with a distinct skill set i think they they would be kind of missing the boat and not having her also going to be featured in in the movie. Not have her... Give her her own book. Wiccan is a good character from the Young Avengers. I just read recently um, the New 50... or not the New 52. Marvel Now Young Avengers, which was a really quality book. Um, Is Kate Bishop in that book? Kate Bishop is in that book. Mm. Young, sexy Mm. Hawkeye. Loki is another sort of magic kind of base character that I think could fit into the Marvel magical universe that really is underutilized. If you think about DC, they have a real healthy uh, universe based in not only the Vertigo books but in the regular DCU. They have a lot of great um, characters like Swamp Thing, um, Zatanna, Constantine, all the... Shazam. Shazam. (laughs) Shazam. All those characters that Marvel kind of doesn't really utilize. They have them. They're there. It, Marvel just doesn't use them. So that's what I would pick is um, try really bolster that roster and pick and choose from your Avengers, your X-Men that have magical powers. Doctor Strange could be a, a the front character of this. Maybe even a new imprint. Kind of how they did Marvel Knights or how DC has Vertigo. And kind of section that off and, and really push that forward I. Think. What X-Men could be
0: classified as magical?
1: Ileana Rasputin. Um, Colossus. Sister. Yeah, his sister. So is that what her X-Men power sh- is? She, She's magical? she can go to hell. She can open portals to hell.
0: Hmm. What so about Enchantress? Enchantress, that's another Thank one. That's a good one. Thank you. Well done. I'm not
2: super familiar with the Marvel magical characters. There
0: are,
1: there are a lot of them, but they don't get a lot of pub. Yeah. Um, um, well, sounds like they need to be rebooted. At, at a time when Doctor Strange was away for a while, the Sorcerer Supreme was Brother Voodoo. It I don't know much about him, but that's a character that
2: sounds cool. Shadow Man from Valiant. Right? You could bring him in? Now, uh, it seems to me like like Doctor Strange is kind of like the the flagship title. Of this magical reboot at at Marvel. I'm going to say McDonald's, but that's not right. (laughs) Well,
1: my eventual plan, and thank you for mentioning that, is a line of McDonald's. Tie ins. (laughs) Happy Meal Tie Ins. (laughs) Um,
0: I'm a big fan of Brother Voodoo, by the way. (laughs) Everyone should look up Brother Voodoo. Good name, great look. Oh, yeah.
2: The
1: solid white stripe down. Because yeah. Afro, uh, the... What kind of? No shoes? No I mean, shoes. like, cape? No, no,
2: voodoo, don't need no shoes.
1: Tell, Tell me it. that that guy isn't <laughs> dying to be rebooted. <laughs>
2: Just like that. Doctor Strange is your flagship title. Yes. Who's going to write it?
1: Writer on the, it. Yeah, I can write, pick any,
2: anybody. He already did a really great
1: version of Doctor Strange. Brian K. Vaughn. Also, executive producer on CBS's Under the Dome. True. So, Bri- Brian K. Vaughn wrote the graphic novel The Oath, which is, while there aren't many Doctor Strange books that I really like, that's one that I would point to every time if somebody asked me, why do you like Doctor Strange? What's cool about him? Recommend something. Okay. The Oath. So, I would, I'd I pick him, and I'd uh, snag... Uh, Somebody like uh, I think who did that? Marcos Martin was the artist on that, so I'll pull him. I'll just pull that team right off that book. Place them
2: on the flagship. That is the the ultimate Doctor Strange team. Is a team that's already as far as I'm. Yeah, I mean, as far as
0: I'm concerned, it worked the first time. The
2: good thing. Why?
0: Why fix it? Well, that's more so than just picking the writer and the artist from that book. That's. That's your tone. Like, that's your Bible for what this Doctor Strange series should feel like. Mm-hmm. Because there's a
1: distinct They go back and they show Doctor Strange at the height of his, you know, surgical prowess. At the height of his uh, <laughs> being an egomaniac dickhead. And that, I think, is the core of it. As well. Somebody that was so broken emotionally and such a self centered jerk to become the protector of this realm and to find the kind of peace and centeredness in, in himself to be able to do that mm-hmm. and uh, going back and forth because that person's always underneath there and a little bit of that struggle I think would be good.
0: To and add you're going to the gonna have to find a writer that's able to channel. The way you write Doctor Strange, because I feel like a lot of the time when you see him as a guest star starring role, he's just wacky sorcerer saying a bunch of goofy stuff, and he's kind of a kind of aloof, and he, this guy's weird. But he's like a normal guy in the Oath, like he's doing Doctor Strange type things, but he he isn't unrelatable. And when you break into the magic realms,
1: that opens the gates to going into hell. Marvel doesn't do a whole lot of DC is always traveling to Hades and doing that kind of stuff so I think that Marvel can kind of take a page out of what DC does and kind of intermingle some of those demonic characters um, you know
2: get their own versions of some of that stuff going Paul Matt what comic book character series whatever are you going to relaunch I would relaunch Superboy
0: wow. Superboy The Superboy has been <clears throat> egregiously screwed up in the new 52 I, I picked up I think maybe about the first 12 13 issues of it until it was so unreadable uh, between two separate writers it was Scott Lobdell that start, they started writing the second half and he's just, he's just terrible I don't know why people keep giving him jobs. Um, But Superboy is a character that I feel like has a very definitive character and story. And it shouldn't... You shouldn't fuck it up. Like If if something works, just tell a new version of it. It's fine. You tell millions of different versions of Superman's origin, Batman's, Spider-Man's. You can tell Superboys with a different spin on it. He's... A clone made from the DNA of Lex Luthor and Superman by Cadmus Labs. That's it. Easy. He doesn't need to be Jonathan Lane Kent, the son, the DNA spliced son of Superman and Lois from Earth Two or whatever the fuck he Ooh. was in the New Fifty Two. Like That's they kept cheesy. it a big secret for a long time, and then they revealed it. And I feel like fans were like, what? Just make it Lex and Superman. It's fucking simple. It's easy. You know those characters. You know, like, the, the mental struggle he would have knowing that those are his dads. That's where he came from. The good guy and the bad guy. It's easy. It writes itself from there. Why are you gonna fucking fuck with that?
1: That's what we like here at McSauce. Books that, right? Books,
0: <laughs> you know. They gave him that weird black suit with all the red piping in it because heaven forbid, a current DC uniform doesn't have some kind of light up piping in it, or a sports team for that matter. Just give him, give him the black T-shirt. There was nothing wrong with. Right before they were the one of the best Superboy books I've read was. It was a short six-issue run. It was written by Jeff Johns, drawn by Francis Maniple. and uh, you know it's after after Superboy goes through a whole bunch of emotional crap with the Titans, his he kind of loses loses his mind for a little bit. He lets like the Lex Luthor side of him take over. Ten, Superman Tank
1: Daisy, Daisy Dukes. Dukes?
0: What's wrong with that? Sign me out. You know, he he loses control of his powers. He seriously takes out the Titans. And he's kind of putting himself back together. So Clark's like, look, we never did this formally, but I'm going to take you to go live with my mom and dad in Smallville. And, you know, Connor's, what, 18-year-old kid in 17, 18. He doesn't want to go to fucking Smallville, Kansas. He's staying on the farm with the Kens, and it's... A story about him getting himself back together and just kind of learning how to be Superman from Clark's childish perspective. It's a really good character story. And it, it's about who he is and who he's learning to be, knowing where he comes from. When you add all the crazy, he's from another world and from two other parents, like it's, it makes things too complicated. Shit doesn't need to be... That it's the same problem that Superman has that we were just talking about where he's unrelatable.
1: If you make this dude from a uh, clone from it's all it's bad enough he's a clone right there but you can still kind of ground it with well these are two characters that I'm really
0: familiar with not Earth 2 versions of characters that who knows what the fuck that no, is. No it's about. like the new the new Wally West. It's not Wally West. It's a guy that they're calling Wally West because it has nothing to do with Wally West and this new um, I don't even think they called him Connor Kent. I think he was just Con the entire time, which was the it was like the Kryptonian word for abomination or something, because I guess in the New 52, one of the reasons Krypton was in such bad shape before it exploded was they went through their own clone wars where they started cloning people, and the clone was Connor Kent. It was Superboy and they will end up destroying a bunch of krypton. so it's just a big, big convoluted mess. doesn't need to be all that messy. It needs to be a story of a young kid trying to come to terms with where he's come from, plus his powers, throw in a nice love triangle, a funny buddy, because Superboy traditionally isn't the jokester. He's a little more stoic, a little more reserved, or you know that's why Clark needs a Pete Ross. Make Pete black for all the diversity lovers out there. Woo-hoo! <laughs> it's it's easy stuff. I, I don't <coughs> Get the I my really, two dads angle of the whole thing. Yeah, I really don't yeah. understand why everything has to be so complicated. Like that makes that makes sense then. Get Francis Mandipol to draw it because he draws beautiful Smallville at sunset landscape. Who would write this book? I'd give it to Jeff Lemire, yeah, because Jeff Lemire had a good run on on Superboy after the Johns manifold run. And he he knows he gets character. He knows how to write who people are, not what they what they're doing, not what you know, the situation dictates them to do.
2: So just for the fun of it, who is going to write Superman when when that gets rebooted? Me. Okay. So Paul McGinty and who's going to draw gonna Superman? Draw. No, Matt not I
0: don't, I don't think... I'd put Michael Janet on Superman. Michael Janet or Aaron Lopresti. What is the problem with these superstar artists and they
1: aren't taking the big money jobs anymore? You don't see the big headliners. I mean, John Romita Jr. is on Superman right now. But more often
2: than not, you don't see it. It's, well, I sort of feel like the the big a list titles are going to sell themselves no matter who is on it and yeah. then you can sell a second tier book with a list talent maybe that's the mentality but i believe if you put a list talent on a a list book the sales are going to be through the roof and you're going to sell more comic books that or maybe way.
1: the a list talent nowadays is just like i want to i want to draw these smaller stories. I want
0: to draw Maybe. these lesser-known heroes. Maybe I, less I mean, editorial I control. I will, Maybe. I will tell you Michael Jannon and Aaron lacresti for every book. The or, or Greg Capullo. Because they're consistent, they're really fucking good, and they don't miss deadlines. Those guys hit every fucking issue. Michael Jannon's run on Justice League Dark never missed an issue. And he's that's saying something because he's
1: like a photorealistic kind of artist. His stuff... Has a really high
0: high quality. Uh, Michael Janin's to it. distinct faces are the best in the business. You can just give me eyes, nose, and mouth of whoever he's drawing, and they're easily distinguishable from one another. It's not that's like, rare. It, yeah, and it, it's and Aaron LaCresti is sort of the same way. Not as definitive as Michael What's he Janin. Work on? He's on. He's one of the four rotating artists on Futures End now. Okay, but he did. A Wonder Woman run with Gail Simone, which was amazing. It was fantastic. And he did um, Sword of Sorcery with Christine Marks before that got unceremoniously canceled early. But both of those guys, I mean, they're real sharp artists, real smooth work. They both get the job done. Put one of those guys on Superman. Quit fucking around with Jim Lee. Quit fucking around with those other quote-unquote big-name artists. Just give me something good and consistent. Superman doesn't need to be Jeff Johns and John Romita Jr. It just needs to be good.
2: Yeah, but Jeff or John Romita Jr. is about as good and consistent as you can get.
0: Right, but you, I think you know what I mean. Like, it doesn't need you. The draw doesn't need to be. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Team. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. The draw should be the story. So if You're it's right. Jeff Lemire with Michael Janin, fine. If it's Scott Snyder with. Yannick Piquette. Cool. Yep. Michael Jan's. Michael sexy Zatanna. Yeah. So I yeah, I'd i I'd, I'd take I'd take Jeff Lemire and uh, Michael Janet to reboot. Reboot Superboy. Cool. And I'd go back to the jeans and a T shirt.
2: Matt? Tell us other than Spider Man who you would reboot. You know, I gave it a lot of thought. Uh, I'm going to mention some of the characters that I feel like could have benefited from a reboot. Uh, believe it or not, I am not a giant fan of Mark Wade's Daredevil. Hmm. I know that most people are, it's just not resonating with me. I wouldn't hate seeing a more traditional take on it, kind of more akin to what went on in, um, oh, what was it called? The Man Without Fear by Frank Miller and John Romita Jr. Uh, I think that that kind of captured the tone of Daredevil to me better than anything else, and I wouldn't mind seeing some kind of return there. But I didn't pick that. Uh, Another another title that, or another crop of titles I thought about rebooting would be the Image Comics superhero universe. I was gonna say one of those. I was gonna say that. Well. Maybe, you know, Image Comics is listening and that's that's two critical voices that think that Image Comics' superhero stable needs some rebooting. I mean, you know, you, you put a contemporary spin on stuff like Cyberforce, Wildcats, you know, Spawn, I still feel like that that is somewhat kind of like staying current and interesting. It's a far cry from what it used to be. Savage yeah. Dragon, God help it as we talked about last week my thoughts were developed. that
1: spawn has evolved so far from the capes and tights right you know foundation that it was built on it's something totally i don't think i would even really recognize spawn anymore but i think that you could have a version of spawn you know return to that that universe that interconnected universe that they started off with Give me some Shadow
2: Hog. Yeah, exactly, that was kind of part of the fun. It was a small stable of characters with an interconnected universe. That I know that a lot of these reboots sometimes will be like, "This is a totally self-contained comic book. You, you will not have to get the other ones," so that way, like you, you're not missing out on the story in this one. And um, I don't mind it when it's a small group that all kind of weaves together, especially if. You know, it was so exciting back in the day. It was fun to get all those books. It was fun to learn that Chapel was the one who created Spawn
1: by murdering Al Simmons. The Young Blood
2: character crossed over prominently into Spawn. That was cool. That was really really exciting. Uh,
1: Even some
2: of their gimmicky
1: promotional things where artists switched over books, and you had. Um, that was Image X Month, if I remember. <laughs> Image X Month. I think they had um, Cyber Force. Was uh, Todd McFarlane was on Cyber Force, mm-hmm. and Jim Lee drew Savage Dragon. There were a whole bunch of. They, they just did fun stuff back then, and kept
0: it all connected. Yep. So, didn't they? Weren't they all writing the shared universe book that just kind
2: of died. Yeah, it was called Image United. It got about two issues in. I think they did a zero, a one, and a two. And it died. Robert Kirkman was the writer, I believe. And all the original artists that were still with Image, uh, which I think was everyone, really, except for Jim Lee. Um, You know, even Rob Liefeld, McFarlane, everybody contributed. And the Um, gimmick
1: to that was that each character on every panel that they appeared in was drawn by their creator. Right. So right there, you have a massive problem with the logistics of getting all those pages drawn. And those and guys, guys aren't the
0: most prompt guys. They,
2: not or. only were they not known for their promptness, they were known for their tardiness and, and missing deadlines. Now, granted, as you get older, you think maybe they're a little more responsible to the medium but uh obviously somewhere along the way there was some kind of failure to get everything to come together and I, you know and i would think also given today's you know advancements with technology as far as being able to send files and things like that that this thing would be drawn differently than taking an 11 by 17 piece of bristol board and drawing on it and then shipping it across the country for another artist to work on i follow a lot of
1: those guys on twitter and facebook and i see all of them have the tools to just send a nice tablet you know send a nice photoshop file over to the next guy and put his character in so i don't know what the big deal was
2: yeah but didn't happen but that also was not my pick for a reboot this is what we call a tease. I'm I'm going to get to it right now. So uh, I decided not to go the superhero route, um, as we have mentioned. One of our one of our key phrases on the sauce podcast Let me is my deep cut music. <laughs> one of my one of our key phrases here is world building, um, and I thought that there is a lack of uh, quality, um, sword and sorcery style comic books out there. You know, you have some cool stuff like that in movies between, like, Lord of the Rings, you got the Game of Thrones, and after that, what do you have? Not Rain on CW? Yeah, that. Um, okay, all right. You know, I'd like to go back to to one of the originals, which would be um, Conan. I think Conan could use a, a quality reboot. Didn't Conan get rebooted not too long ago? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it did. Um, but I think it, it relied really heavily on the original um, Howard storylines and everything. Uh, who wrote that? Was it... Was that Mark Wade? That might have been Mark Wade as well, with uh, Carrie Nord doing the artwork. Now, I didn't think it was all that great. I remember they wrote it, or whenever it was coming out, uh, whoever the writer was, said something like it was going to be kind of like the ultimate version of Conan, like referencing like Ultimate Spider-Man. And I just never quite. He's going to be in high school. Yeah, right. He's Conan. It's his first day of junior high. <laughs> uh... And I think part of my problem with it was they relied kind of heavily on the readers sort of knowing who Conan is, not really starting him from scratch and really building that world from the ground up and, and introducing the reader to this this land. You know, the, the land is called Hyboria, Hy- and in it, you know, you have all these different Races of people and monsters. And I just never felt like they did a very good job of creating this incredible world. Um, This
0: February, Brian Wood's Conan run ends at issue 25. So that must be the reboot that we were thinking of. This coming February? This past February. Okay. 25 issues done.
2: So Brian Wood wrote it for twenty five issues. I heard good things. I'm a big yeah. Brian Wood fan. Wow. Well, my it's time he's done, and now it's time for the Casale reboot. Well, this isn't the Casale reboot. Uh-oh. Huh. Actually, I'm going to tap J.K. Rowling's to write Conan. Wait, who? J.K. Rowling's. Rowling singular. Rowling. Yeah. Oh well, I put Rowlings. Mm-hmm. Wrote it wrong. It's know. her. It's uh-huh. her sister. <laughs> um, so, J.K. That's what mean, we're gonna just. i just, just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, she's gonna write Conan, and the reason why I feel like she's a good writer so for Conan, is gonna be in middle school. <laughs> I think that she's gonna bring a fresh and unique take on the character and one of the things that she did really well with the Harry Potter series was she she created believable likable characters no I mean obviously she did great world building and created this incredible world um with ties to the real world but here she's gonna have to go off and sort of do like a complete like magical kind of world but and
0: after that first novel, after Harry Potter, she's gonna need the work.
2: It did not do well. That did not do well. It, yeah, it did. I don't think so. Yeah, it was like the number three or four selling book that year, wasn't no, it?
0: I, I think it sold because of the name, but it was not a good book. Uh,
2: that's, okay, that's not what I read. But anyway, um, she's that. It's kind of that's like a sort of a detectivey kind of mystery thing. This is much more sword and sorcery, and what we're going to do here is do the hero's journey, uh, much like a lot of modern mythology kind of follows that whole thing. Luke Skywalker did it, Harry Potter did it, um, and Conan's going to do it. You know, This is not your Arnold Schwarzenegger Conan. This is a, uh, a younger Conan, but a, um, a more relatable Conan. Um, he's gonna go through that entire, like, Joseph Campbell, hero's journey kind of thing. And, um, so, also, I want him to be more likable than he is traditionally... But well, what happens once the hero's journey is over? It Are can, you gonna lose interest in the book, then? No, this is a, a finite series. Let's say... Massey let's say, series, 12 issues? No, no, maybe like 60, 60 issues. You know, like like Preacher was. Gotcha. Something like that. Um, you know, you can have three, you know, distinct arcs. You know, you're kind of like the beginning, and then the middle act, and then obviously the finale. Um, you know, the, I would be very comfortable with giving this almost like a film-like quality. Um, of course you would. And Certainly not a... Television-type quality. No. Uh, and, and I just feel like, given her, her penchant for writing these likable characters in uh, these magic-like worlds, because there is, I think, what tends to be lost in the Conan universe is there's tons of, like, monsters and, and creatures and, and magic kind of all going on with the, the swords and, you know, just the traditional, like, medieval style. Um, and I think she can kind of bring that all together in an effective way, in a relatable way. That's is there the a lot of
1: magic in Conan?
2: Yes. I don't know. Yes. Okay. Like, Conan, from what I understand, is kind of like the original sword and sorcery kind of tale. Um, and I feel like with the Arnold movies, that character has been dumbed down to a degree. So I would like for there to be... You know, I'm bringing the show full circle because we were talking about Momoa as coming in. But um, so anyway, will uh, there be a trident in this? Will he go in the ocean ever? Uh, yeah, maybe to fight some kind of serpent. Um, on the art, I'm gonna have uh, Mark Silvestri draw this. I feel like. He would be a good choice because he is an experienced artist. He's been around for a long time, so you I for Mark Silvestri to draw sixty issues. Yeah, this this will be a
1: maxi series that stretches out twenty years.
2: In, in my in my fantasy world here, he's already started it and he's he's completed 58 first, issues. Yeah, in. so all he has to do is finish two issues in the next five years. Which is still a big That's question pushing it. So, Sylvester. Sylvester for this. Yeah, and the reason why I went with Sylvester is because there's a roughness to his pencils, but at the same time, there's a polish to them, and I feel like he would kind of get that like gritty barbarian esque kind of quality while still being able to like clearly define these. Um, different monsters or, uh, you know, different different worlds, lands, like, um, influences. I know that, you know, in Conan, like, I think the Sumerians, the the race that Conan is, were influenced by, like, the Celts. And I know there's a lot of, like, ancient Eastern influences throughout. And I just sort of feel like somebody as experienced as Sylvester could kind of handle something like that. Um, and... You know, he has experience drawing monsters and things like that in the darkness, even his recent run on the Hulk. Uh, I just, I feel like he would be the, the right choice. I would want somebody, um, with the colorist to have a little bit more of like a brighter palette than what you might expect in a Conan book. I know that like instinctually I would think like a lot of earth tones, but I want something a little more vibrant, um like on top of Sylvester's pencils. Because usually he's his stuff is a bit colorless. So I'd like to see that kind of hybrid to the art.
1: Silvestri can do the hard and soft. That's <laughs> a lot of gritty Wolverine and Hulk stuff, but he's also got sexy ladies. Yeah,
2: that and that, there's a lot of that. You know, the classic... Um, Like, you think, Ken Kelly artwork, those, like, pin-up style, like, almost naked chicks. Like, Sylvester could totally rock that. So, yeah, I think he'd be a great choice. That he says this. That too. Right. He would use himself to pose as a model for all the Conan covers.
0: He's a handsome man. does have a Conan
2: face about him.
0: Good one guy. Good jaw on
1: that guy. Well, that's a good pick. I like Silvestri's artwork. I've always been a fan
2: since his Uncanny X-Men days. Oh, that was another thought that I had. Rebooting the X-Men. Yeah. I was thinking
1: about trimming that entire line down, making it like four books, and yeah. that's it.
0: Yeah. Does it even need to be four books? I think there's... So many X characters that it does need to be forced. Do there, does there need to be that many
2: X Men characters? Yeah, do there need to be that many?
0: They already do. There, yeah. Do deal.
1: there, Ian? There
2: do!
1: They already tried that with uh, killing off all the mutants and that
2: didn't work, so. Paul, would you read uh, J.K. Rowling's. Not Rowling's, but Rowling's Conan? I'd
0: give it a few issues. Nope. I'm out! Oh. Really?
2: Yeah, um, oh, that's right. He's a hater, even though um, one
1: of those. How do you call them haters?
0: Even though Mark
1: Silvestri's art
0: isn't
2: gonna be what brings me to the book. If anything
1: brought me to the book, it's
0: Silvestri.
2: See, I'm a little little bit of everything for each of you. That's true. Um, yeah, Maybe it'll we'll get us both we'll to buy. Something. I never
0: know. I think J.K. Rowling's name and talent alone would get over the handicap that is Mark Silvestri's. If I
1: ran out of my prescription for sleeping pills, maybe I would pick up the book.
2: (laughs) Now, Paul, what artist would you prefer to see on a Conan?
0: I wish I had a better answer than Silence. Because it always seems that in these moments, I can't flip through my Rolodex of brain artists quickly enough. Um, but... I'd read a Frank Cho drawn Conan book. Oh, that would be pretty good. I was going to jokingly say that. I'm serious. My man, yeah, big boobs and butts. Best in the business. But my man can draw dinosaurs. Like I was going to say, are there dinosaurs in
1: Conan? Yeah. yeah. Like, Frank Cho dinosaurs. has a but... wide range of a lot of
0: different shit. Any kind of large lizard, I'm sure there's one in Conan book. No, all kinds of monsters, but no, none, no lizards Well, see, here's monsters.
2: the here's the problem with with me with Conan. I don't really like outside of Conan. I don't really know the cast. Yeah. What I want J.K. Rowling to do is come in and create a cast that we give a shit about, and I think she can do that. You know, because c- you have the, a great main character. Now you just have to support that character with like great additional characters. Like I know that there's. He has allies in the different movies and everything, but I'm not exactly sure if those are characters created strictly for the movie or if those were original... Um, what was his name? James Howard Creations? Robert E. Howard. Robert E. Howard. Where did I get James from? Uh, I don't
0: know. I would read a Conan book written and drawn by Mike Mignola. And that would be like the six-issue... 6 issue arc Mm -hmm. I don't think Mike Mignola Is going to put in 60 issues But I think you could tell A pretty good Pretty good Conan story That's an interesting pick I would never have thought that Um Who an artist That followed him up on Once he stopped drawing Hellboy The other guy picked up up From him And I think he may even be A better artist for Conan Than Mike Mignola Because he's a little more detailed Mm -hmm. Like you know Mignola really brings, you know, he really brings things back to a lot of basic shapes. But the second guy puts in a little bit more detail that might uh, give that Conan book a little more depth.
2: So talk amongst yourselves while I look up that guy's name. Well, <clears throat> I think that, um, that that would be a pretty cool character to, to give uh, a new kind of a new treatment to it, you know, appeal to fans other than just the core Conan fans, you know, like the eight of them that went to that reboot movie. Did you go see it? I did. Yeah. And I liked it. I think it's better than the Arnold one. Yeah. Well, certainly the sequels, but I think it was better than the, or well, the one sequel. It was better than Conan the Barbarian, the 1982 version. Uh, like I said, I think Momoa was Infinitely better as Conan than um, than Arnold was, which is kind of sad because, from what I understand, they're re kind of they're undoing the reboot that Momoa did, and they're going back to the Arnold versions. And he's it's going to be called like Co- the King? Legend of Conan or Conan oh. the King or something like that, where he's playing a much much older, you know, saggy looking.
1: That doesn't Conan. seem
2: like anything that anybody wanted
1: no. man is meant to be a young dude Terrence show.
0: Duncan Fergrito is the artist that took over for Mignola.
2: did he do this whole trade paperback
0: like one of those stories in the beginning like Mignola the young Hubble story may as well just be Mignola so similar
2: very similar but similarly, do William or Silvestri? What are subtleties? Oh, I feel like there's a pretty distinct difference. However, if you told me, like, Silvestri and Michael Turner, I'd be like, eh, that's pretty damn close. Although I always felt like Silvestri was yeah, technically... I I felt like Silvestri was technically better than Michael Turner. You know, it was almost like Silvestri learned how to draw, like, for real and then applied, like, a comic book style to it, whereas Michael Turner learned how to draw like Silvestri, and he was just sort of imitating.
1: Yeah, I can see
2: that. I feel like a lot of comic book artists are guilty of that. You know, you could kind of look at a lot of them and just... That's how a lot of them learned,
1: you know. You get a bunch of comic books together and try to emulate.
0: That is pretty creepy. Uh, Mark Silvestri, uh, picture of Nightcrawler. Appearing in some smoke.
2: One color jobby Nice work. And I would also like to see Sylvester draw something that I give a shit about because, you know, when he redid the Hulk and I looked at that, I mean, I. Quite I like the care. Hulk. I do, but I, I didn't like what was going on. That was another one that I thought about rebooting, actually. Um, especially given what Mark Wade did when when they relaunched the Hulk uh, about a year ago with Marvel Now and they gave him the armor pants because like Paul said earlier Superman doesn't need nanotech armor when he can take a bullet to the eye without it bothering him. Or the nuts. Or the nuts. Bounces right off. Same with Hulk. He doesn't need armor pants. He just doesn't need purple armor pants. He doesn't even need any pants at all. Pantsless. I could take a bullet off
1: the nuts, too.
2: Yeah, yeah probably.
1: His nuts would crush the bullet.
2: Yeah. Spread right between those nuts. Like, does he have control of his nuts? Like, where he can spread them and, and spread them. them? Yeah, and then clam <laughs> <grab> them. <laughs> yes, that's what one of the
1: handy side effects to gamma radiation is.
0: total to, nut control. I'm willing to that Bruce Wayne has that kind of body control. He does, too. He could probably do push-ups with his Trained for years in Tibet. Yeah, or nut crushing. Yeah. Are, they, are they called nut ups? He <laughs> <laughs> can pop each ball like a specs.
2: Oh, Bruce! ladies love it. Why do you think he gets so many girls? Nut ups. Yeah, gets them every time. Do either of you have anything else to add tonight? I just hope that they incorporate Bruce Wayne's nut ups into the into the next story after Zero Year. The New Two.
0: Yeah, that's right. An honorable mention for New would be Secret Six, but only if they brought it back just like they left it. I don't want them to reboot it like they did everything else in the New 52. Two. That, that was a re- that was a really good book that don't get them to
2: some creative. So that's gonna to do it tonight. That's gonna do it, man. My name is Paul McGinty. Sharply. I'm Matt Casale. We'll
0: see you next time. Oh, man. Welcome to episode 62 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. It's episode 63. Is it? Yeah. We just agreed on 62. We did,
1: but it is 63.
0: Should we start over? No, let's
1: just keep it. 63.